0: the last Boy Scout, Joe Hallenbeck, played by Bruce Willis, is a private detective sent to investigate an exotic dancer. When she is gunned down in the street, Joe reluctantly teams up with her boyfriend Jimmy, played by Damon Wayans, as they learn that there is a dangerous conspiracy involving a senator and the owner of a football team. Screenplay by Shane Black, directed by Tony Scott, and released on December 13, 1991. Have you seen Last Boy Scout before?
1: Yes, I have. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this was what I call a dad movie. I, <laughs> I watched this with my dad.:
0: Yeah, that's why I'm not surprised based on some <laughs> of the other ones you've seen. a bunch this This seems like it would fit the bill. I actually haven't seen this before. Uh, I don't know. like we didn't we didn't go for too many action-y movies. We did go for the ones that were a little bit more humorous and I think that this one was trying to be but it wasn't good at it.
1: I mean it's uh, got the action and the wannabe kind of comedy because of Damon Wayne's. I mean the reason why I like it. And Bruce Willis,
0: honestly. I mean he yeah, has doing the his one-liners. History.
1: Oh yeah. Like even yeah, I guess. and just uh being like this sarcastic detective because <laughs> he used to be like in the secret service but now he's a detective but I mainly liked this movie because I liked Danielle Harris in it when I was younger yeah and I did like Damon Wayne's in it but then I was just reading a lot about this movie and how a lot of people just hated each other throughout the (laughs) making of this movie
0: yeah that's what i saw in some of the uh the trivia as well is that there was a very strained set and that a lot of the stuff that ended up happening in the second half especially was much different from the original script so for the better or for the worse i i don't know um i i I like Damon Wayans as a as a performer. Mm-hmm. I wish, and it's pretty clear in here that he did not get the opportunity to be that comedian or like show his improv abilities or anything. Yeah, like, not
1: like even in later movies when he did, you know, like Mo Money,
0: which I have not seen.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. it's around this time. I'm wondering yeah. if he wanted to do this. For more, for like a more serious side of him.
0: I don't know if it's that, or maybe like, maybe he was promised something that didn't end up happening.
1: Oh, like they promised, like, yeah, we're gonna write in some funny lines for you. Right, like this will be your 48
0: hours. Like this will be your Beverly Hills cop. Yeah, okay, I get it. And then it just ended up being, no, stick to the script. Mm -hmm. Because like all of the jokes just about went to Bruce Willis and they're all bad like dad jokey type of things.
1: Yeah, and then there's people reacting to it like it's the funniest thing they've ever heard, which yeah. makes me laugh.
0: Yeah, that that was what was legitimately funny is seeing the people overreacting Cracking to these up. terrible jokes. But, but I, I think that Damon what... should have had some material To do that, yeah, maybe he ad libbed some stuff and it was just cut out. And they were probably like, "No, don't do this," or something like that. I don't know. But like, you know, he's the known comedian, and yet he doesn't get to be as funny as I would like. And he could do both. It's not like he can't do both. You know, the action and the comedy. That's that's what this movie should be appealing to is like both of them playing off of each other, and that doesn't really happen all that much. The the relationship between the two. Joe and Jimmy, and I'm going to mix up those names, I bet. A whole yeah. bunch. <laughs> Joe is Bruce Willis, Jimmy is Damon Wayans. Um, it's contentious pretty much all the way through the entire movie. So th- it's not like they're bouncing back and forth and like learning to love and appreciate each other over time. It's more of like, hey, you're in my way, or don't do this. Hey, get out of my house. But we're in this together. Yeah. And that kind of hurts things too. And, and I understand a little bit because Jimmy's character is addicted to drugs, and so like at some point he's using. In Joe's bathroom, he he finds out and kicks him out of the house and all that kind of stuff. So I, mean, I understand that there's the strain there.
1: Yeah, because he sees him as. A drug addict he's like I thought you were a good dude but I see you doing drugs and I think you're a bad dude (laughs) but but then he does like the when he confronts him in that bathroom Jimmy does this uh, sort of sob story where he's like I'm addicted to this because of all the injuries I've had right because of football or whatever and yeah. now I can't get off
0: of these, like, painkillers and stuff like that. Which is a very true thing for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. And I don't want to minimalize that. I think what I'm, what I'm, but what they try to do is they try to tie that into the story of mm-hmm. this, which doesn't work. So at the very beginning, well, first you have a very happy, go lucky, um, song spoof because it's a yeah it's like this are you ready
1: for some football except it's riff
0: it's this fake one that i think was created for this movie i'm assuming it was uh because it mentions the specific teams um friday night's a great night for football is the name of it Uh, they
1: they play it at the end credits too yeah
0: done by bill medley um we'll talk about him uh, he's he's from the Righteous Brothers originally, so he's Grammy-nominated for Unchained Melody and You've Lost That Loving Feeling, and he's also a Grammy winner for his collaboration with Jennifer Warren's On The Time of My Life. Um, he did the theme for Just the Ten of Us. He has songs from his musical career in other 1991 movies, and he was also the song producer for All I Want for Christmas, uh, which we've seen previously in the podcast. It's a really fun song. and It's, it's a much it's setting the tone mm-hmm. um, for like this goofy lighthearted thing and then as soon as that's done with like all these great sports graphics and the opening montage and the you know the fun ass song it immediately cuts to this very dark gritty actual football match that's happening in the rain with like extremely dark lighting very blue it's very difficult to see anything and so it's like it's meant to be that that sharp contrast of like, oh yeah, here's the happy fun thing, but smash into the reality of the whole thing. And so we we get our introduction to this whole plot through Billy Cole, who's played by Billy Blanks. And he's he gets a call from Milo. We don't yeah, see Milo. We don't,
1: we don't see Milo for over almost the end of the movie.
0: But Milo basically 20s. tells him to throw the game. Um And we see Billy, I think, I think we see Billy, like, messing with pills as well. Yeah, he he takes pills and...
1: uh, Okay, well, I don't know if it was to what.
0: I mean, the, the, the implication I got was it was the same type of thing that Jimmy was dealing with, is that he's being pushed so hard... To okay, so it's like he's these gamblers that he has to like take extra alter and
1: like alter enhancing drugs to yeah, improve like, himself. Cause I was steroids like, why some
0: painkillers so he can do what the gamblers need him to do.
1: Okay, okay, cause I was like, was he doing it because he knows he was gonna kill him? That's what I was like. He's gonna like he came up with the idea like, oh, I'm just gonna kill myself.
0: Like yeah, at some point.
1: That's why I was like, should I drug myself up just to ease the pain of shooting myself?
0: I don't think that's what. they're Okay, doing
1: for. I don't. That's what I was like think. I, that's what I was thinking about. It, it, I think because when after he gets the call, he's like sighing. He ingested those pills and then he goes back out into the rain, and uh, he's on the field, you know catches the ball, he's running towards the goal, and as he's running, everyone's, you know, cheering for him, but he has a gun in his pants, and then he starts shooting at all the opposing players just to make the goal. Yeah. And then as he does, you know, all the cops, as they see this, all the cops and security come to arrest him, and then he, this is like morbid beginning. Yeah. And a trigger warning, but he, he just,
0: he says, he sa- he says, like, ain't life a bitch.
1: Yeah. He says that and shoots himself in the head and you see the explosion of the head. Yeah. Like brains splattering on people. I was like, oh shit. And that's how the be- this movie begins. I was like, I don't remember this, but Yeah
0: yeah and yeah, the whole thing is that he's so sick of being manipulated to to throw games whenever he's yeah, whatever, and he, you know he's sick of the pain, and so I, part of the reason I mentioned that now is you know well, one is be the beginning, but two, because we're talking about Jimmy's drug use, the implication there again is the same type of thing where he was pushed just so hard by these people who want to gamble and like are forcing him to throw games or whatever is going on behind the scenes that he ruined his body because of them not because of the sport but because of them yeah and that's uh i don't really buy it too much um but yeah i mean yes he is addicted to these things but that doesn't really come into play aside from this one scene where he's kicked out of joe's house so like the other thing that's really interesting about this is to kind of skip to the big reveal right like the whole plot the whole criminal plot of this whole thing is you have the owner of the team sheldon Marcone, who is trying to bribe and work with all these government officials in order to legalize sports gambling to reverse the declining ratings of the football league yeah and that's the nefarious plot Right? That's, that's the big the big bad of this movie is trying to legalize sports gambling that causes all these things. Mm-hmm. And it's just so weird to see that be like the, the impetus for all of this, considering where we are now in society, where gambling is absolutely everywhere, including very, very much integrated into the sports world, where every other oh, yeah. commercial is about a different sports betting app. And every pregame show is, let me give you a few different suggestions of what you should bet today. Mm-hmm. Every single thing, like on, on all of the major networks and everything, is like, here's how you should gamble. That's yeah. that's the main thing in these pre shows now. So it's really weird to see the like the the main conspiracy and you know like why people are getting chased and killed is so that this guy could implement legalized sports betting into his league it's just so strange i don't know it's sort of like necessary roughness where like the whole thing was oh you can't take professional money and now 30 years later college athletes can take endorsement deals and there's no problem so that movie wouldn't exist anymore Uh, so very very strange um then it just goes to joe
1: hellenbeck
0: yeah, after the Sleep- Billy Cole thing. Yeah, we go to Joe Hound We go to Joe, he's to sleeping in him. his
1: car, and you know, there's kids like messing with him with like a throwing a dead squirrel at him and yeah, stuff. Yeah, because
0: he's passed out, hung over in you know, his car
1: with the window down. But this is LA, so I mean, I was like, wouldn't you be cold? But what do I know? Well, uh, I mean,
0: <laughs> if you're drunk and passed out, you don't know this. Yeah, I guess do.
1: But we... Yeah, we're introduced to him. He's, like, a... We learned throughout the movie that he was a former Secret Service agent who was, like, a national hero for saving the president from an, an assassination attempt.
0: Yeah, it's, like, in, in the flashback, they show, like, this Jimmy Carter look alike. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be Carter.
1: I don't... I mean, the because person... Because they don't
0: name the president. They just say no. the president, and then they show this Jimmy Carter alike. But <laughs> so... then
1: they... In his other flashbacks,
0: it's him with the senator.
1: With the senator, which is you know, he's senator just senator the...
0: Calvin Baynard. There we go, because because yeah, I I just kind of in my casting crew I put him off to the side because we've talked about him as an actor before.
1: Oh, Chelsea Ross.
0: Yeah. And I lost yeah. where he is. But so. yeah, yeah,
1: and then it's I guess it was him and who his business partner. Was or is at the time, and he just comes home to his wife, and I guess he was in Vegas for a while because she's like, "I thought you would come home tomorrow." Miscommunication. They mm-hmm. have like this tumultuous relationship. It sounds like they're separated, but not.
0: Yeah, he's just gone a lot. He's on always cases just gone, and he just decides just to stay away for home. whatever reason.
1: Yeah, he's she's home alone all the time with their daughter so I mean when he does come home like a day early he's like walking around he sees signs that someone else was there like the shower and the toilet toilet seats seats up up. so that's when he confronts her and does this whole thing where he's gonna shoot inside the closet because he's like who's in the closet and she's like what and he's like, if you don't tell me who it is, I'm just going to shoot in this closet. And then that's when his best friend slash business partner, Mike, comes out. And then, you know, they have a fight. But then um, they have a whole thing. But then Mike is like, oh, yeah, let me give you a job after the whole confrontation.
0: He <laughs> gives him the job before, the, before he goes back home to his wife. Like, he has has the phone call when he wakes up from his car. Okay. He's in his office, he gets the call, and then he goes home to get some stuff to go for the job. And Mike is there.
1: Mike was there, okay. And he's like, you
0: still want this job after everything I did? And he's like, yeah, yeah, the money's the money.
1: Yeah, Um, and, but then he, they kind of just, like, all of a sudden make amends, and then Mike goes into his car, there's a car bomb, and then his car blows up in front of Joe's house.
0: Yeah. The, the intention here is that Joe is very disillusioned. He kind of doesn't care about what happens in his life. And so he just is taking it all in stride. Like, yeah, he's, he's definitely very mad about the whole situation, but he's not like any, He basically said, you know, like it's, it's a callback that happens at the end It's like head or gut Where you know, which, which one do you want to be punched in? Um, but that's how he resolves it. Like he's not, he doesn't act mad he's more mad about his wife denying anything once he figured it out. Yeah. And he takes it to an extreme level. And again, this is Shane Black who did Lethal Weapon, right? So it's, it's kind of like the Mel Gibson-y, like, kind of off-the-rails personality. Um, yeah. Because, you know, when he doesn't shoot the closet, Mike reveals himself. He shoots the picture on the nightstand of uh, the wedding day. So he's still, like, firing a gun in the house, you know, emotionally, (laughs) emotionally, uh, scarring people in the room, um, but he's, I don't know, he's, he's on his last legs here. Uh, so then he sees Mike get blown up, which is obviously very strange to him, Mm -hmm. um, but he you know he he doesn't seem to really, really grieve that either. instead, like he and his wife have another argument, or really, she has an argument at him, um basically saying, this is why I did it. you know, I don't like you don't give me any sort of response. you're not present physically or emotionally, and like, you know, blah blah, why aren't you mad at me? like you know he's just like victim like blaming very apathetic.
1: he's like, yeah, whatever, uh, yeah, very emotionless
0: route. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's he's stoic throughout most of the whole thing, which again, in in what I assuming is meant to be an action comedy.
1: Yeah, like he's just trying to be the cool guy. I guess. I guess. But, <laughs> but then yeah, he goes to the strip club because he the job is to look after Corey. Corey who is Jimmy's girlfriend and that's when and she
0: supposedly has a stalker
1: yeah that's when they meet mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jimmy just comes up confronts Joe like so your note cause uh Jimmy sees Corey talking to Joe and they have a little argument but then she has to go up and dance mm-hmm. and then that's when Jimmy comes up to Joe because Corey says oh that's nobody and he comes up to Joe saying oh you're no you're supposed to be nobody like who are you really mm-hmm. but they have like this whole annoying they're like annoyed with each other back and forth because Joe is like oh don't worry about it like just mind your own fucking business type of thing mm-hmm. But that just turns into this whole alter- altercation when they go outdoors, basically. like when the, when Corey's done working. But it, this is when Joe is still there because Joe has uh, an altercation like on the other side of the strip club. He, he, he's like he, confronted he
0: tries get, Joe tries to get Jimmy to try to hit him basically and he's like look if you really care this much and like if you really like just try to hit me and, and so he, he does and Joe shows his strength and his reserved power where he stops it and like yeah whatever.
1: but then like Jimmy and Corey they hang out for a bit in this I thought they were at her house already Because she's done working, and then they're laying...
0: Yeah, Jimmy pulls her out of the cage or whatever, and is like, But then they're
1: laying together, drinking, saying to... Yeah, I think
0: it's in a back room or something. Okay, because I thought
1: they were already at her house, but they they were done with that, going to her house.
0: Right. And Joe's like, you know, he just leaves temporarily, and when he's outside, he gets...
1: Confronted by these hitmen. Knocked out
0: and carried away by these thugs, and they're going to just kill him right off the bat
1: and that's when he does his whole dad joke humor i don't even know <laughs> like he's talking about your mama so fat type jokes yeah yeah
0: which is so dumb like he's, but then yeah. like
1: the guys are cracking up so much like he tells these not great jokes to these Kit or whatever. Well, it's
0: just one. So it starts it's off just... with like four. And then it's down to And then to it's one. just down to one. I don't know why the other three just like full on leave. Maybe just to get ready for Corey for whenever she's going to leave. leave. Yeah. But it's just, it's down to the the one guy um, who's played by Baja Jola, who was um, slim in A Rage in Harlem. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, you know, he's... he's Hesitating killing for whatever reason, and, and Joe is like, Well, you know, don't you want to ask me like how fat your wife is yeah, or whatever? Yeah.
1: And he's like, Okay, I guess I'll humor you, but then he starts cracking up at his jokes. And while that guy is thrown off by laughing, that's when Joe beats the, the shit out of him.
0: Yeah, he grabs the gun and gets away.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, so that was weird. <laughs> um Anyway, yeah, Corey's on the way back, and 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 Jimmy's there in a separate car. Corey gets rear-ended, and she pulls over in order to uh, yell at the people, not realizing it's going to be um, anyone who's out to get her. And so when they pull over and go off to the side of the road, she immediately gets gunned down in a blaze of like machine gun.
1: Oh uh, yeah, in front of Jimmy because they're in front
0: of Jimmy, who's who he was, was at a, a light, stoplight. yeah. Um, seeing the whole thing and then rushes through. Joe is close by as well. And so they, you know, are able to take care of them in various different ways, like ramming one of them with the car. And Joe has a gun, of course. Uh, I think Jimmy at some point probably picks up one of the other dead thugs' guns. I don't remember anymore. Everything kind of happens I think He just
1: rams one of the guys with his car and then he hides because they're... There's like a huge shootout, yeah. and then Joe shoots the rest of them, and then tells Jimmy, "You can get up now." And that's when they talk about like that's when Joey's like, "Hey, I've been hired to protect Corey." And like they just talk about like what the fuck just happened before our
0: eyes. Yeah, and, and this is sort of <laughs> where Joe starts to get the in- inclination that maybe this. Is connected with what happened to Mike, um, and then it becomes a little bit more cemented when they go to Corey's and then they see that, you know, the whole entire place has already been ransacked because they're looking for something specific. Jimmy finds it because he's looking for drugs. So it's another way that the drug abuse comes into play. It's like he's searching the bathroom for,
1: for the drugs, for yeah. the
0: drugs that he's addicted to, and he finds the the evidence in the form of an audio cassette and some pictures. The pictures show the senator Baynard with uh, Marcone.
1: Yeah.
0: And and Baynard is is the bad guy uh, mm-hmm. it, it, that that we know because of the Joe flashbacks, where um, the senator was doing something terrible to some some woman, and uh, part of why Joe no longer has a job is that he went in and intervened. Um. Sort of like a Wild Orchid two situation.
1: Right. Corey, like when Cory and Jimmy were drinking to his son, they do, they always do this to Alex, which was his son that died as a baby Mm -hmm. years ago. She said that I have a birthday present for you, so let's go to my house. And then he assumes that that tape is the birthday present because she was trying to find a way to get his job back onto the LA, L.A. Stallions.
0: Yeah, we haven't mentioned yet that Jimmy is a former football player. He is a he um he was like a star quarterback and then injuries mostly yeah, took was him out. Fired from it because of the drugs. And also the gambling. Yeah. yeah. He was caught as part of like actually gambling himself and then the drugs took over from there too. So sort of like a Pete Rose deal.
1: Yeah, even though he still. But they
0: minimize that whole thing. Like, they don't really mention it too much, other than that.
1: Yeah, he still parties with them because when we first see Jimmy, every. Like, all the team members are at his house partying because that one guy in the hot tub with that girl. Yeah. Is there, and that's when he just kicks everyone out. He's like, get the fuck out of my place because he was trying to saved that
0: woman. I like... don't think it's his... Well, it might be his place.
1: I thought it was, because...
0: He, he told her to get out of the pool, well, and could... he told that guy to get out of there. Like, yeah. To, to leave. But, I mean, I don't know. It's tough to say, because, like, he wakes up next to a girl who's not Corey, and, you know, and she says, oh, you're still here? That's, like, the first thing that she says to him. So I don't think it's his house.
1: But then he's telling people to get the fuck out. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just... I thought it was his place, but who knows anymore. Unless it was just, like, a place that the football Because the guy team... in the pool is also
0: like, why are you here? This is a league party. You're not yeah, in the league yeah, yeah. anymore. So why would he have a league party at his own house? Okay, so he's so... just
1: telling people to get the fuck out without any authority. <laughs> okay.
0: Maybe. I don't know. But that's also... That's, that's intended to... Uh, Establish a couple things, right? Like, one is he still has the best arm in the league, even though he's not in the league anymore. because um, he actually says that, right? <laughs> and he, you know, he throws a spiral and kicks this dude in the nose. And then the other thing is to show that they have both protected women at some point in their lives, even though they're also pieces of shit in other ways.
1: Mm hmm. So, there's that. So then, I mean, Jimmy and Joey just reluctantly work together because...
0: They're connected. It's yeah, like they're now connected Corey, to this. Corey needs vengeance, and Jimmy wants to be part of that. And he has nothing to live for in, in that way because he doesn't have the career. And Joe doesn't care about living. Um, and so he's out to finish this job because he's, you know...
1: like was he's, he he's ready
0: to stop as many bad guys as he can on his way out.
1: Yeah, it's just like, okay... Whatever. I was like, "Who's paying him? Was it Corey?" And then I was like, "Was he prepaid?" <laughs> Whatever.
0: Yeah, Corey was gonna pay because one of the conversations, like, "Shall I just pay you now?" Yeah. Okay. Right. Um. But yeah, I don't know. It, at some point, he just sort of he follows just doesn't get
1: paid for this job, but maybe probably got paid in another way.
0: Well, I don't know what happens to the six million at the end. Yeah, well, if they does get, he get paid
1: it, through that,
0: or if he just gets to have it. It's Mark things, money. Like, who else would it go to? I mean, the the cops
1: and stuff would probably take it.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, in a real world situation, if they knew about it. But do they know about it? Whatever, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So, So,
1: I mean, yeah, there's this whole thing with, uh, I mean, that's when Joe goes back to his house, and there's this whole fight between him and his daughter, because you know, Joe is never around for her. And then when he is there, all they do is fight. And then she's like, can I go to like so-and-so's house? And he's like, no. So she just hates him.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, she's like a 13 year old girl yeah. and she wants to go to like this big party. party. And he's like, no, no, you're 13. This is, yeah, no. this is not appropriate for her. But I mean, she's just age. like
1: a typical teen girl. It's like, okay, well, I hate you.
0: Except like she uses, you know, the worst language and is stirring right. up a storm, which is something I wouldn't have done as a oh, kid. Oh, I uh, would never. Yeah, so maybe that's why you liked it. It's like, oh, this, this girl gets to say all this stuff I
1: Yeah, I thought she was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, She's I wanna like be this, her this cool or rebel. But yeah.
0: Going on adventures and things mm-hmm. and whatever. Um so yeah, there's this big falling out and whatever. Um And a lot of it's, like, him trying to be overprotective and...
1: He doesn't really explain. He's just saying, you know, no.
0: Uh, Parents never do in these movies. I know,
1: but I think, like, children want... He could be like, hey, I love you. I don't want you hurt. Even... She'll still probably hate him. Yeah. But at least show some sort of love to each other? Whatever.
0: I don't know, but I mean, he's not showing (laughs) love to anybody. I know, but
1: that we're just seeing how he is as a person and as a parent and uh husband, I guess. And then he's just ignoring her and he's like, you want ice cream? I got ice cream. She's like, fuck your ice cream and storms off. But then they have this whole... She sees Jimmy and she knows who he is, but she Mm -hmm. doesn't like react to him because then she's like... She gives him attitude mm-hmm. too, but then when Joe kicks him out after him doing drugs in the bathroom, she confronts him. She's like, "Hey, can you sign my dad's football card because he you were his favorite, and he stopped watching football after you were fired, basically yeah. like you were like a hero to him, sorta, yeah, and he didn't even know that." And that's when he signs the card to the daughter of the last Boy Scout.
0: Yeah, that's where the, the title comes in. That's an actual, well, not an actual, in that it wasn't mass produced, but that was an actual card company pro set that was used for that. Just a little sports card trivia there. It's like you know, very much stylized in the pro set manner with an actual logo in there, but it's a it's a fake card. It's a one off. Um, i think if they reproduce those these days people might go for them it could be a fun little collector's limited edition thing <clears throat> um but anyway that whole scene happens and honestly just non-stop non-stop stuff keeps happening people just keep on
1: they're coming after coming jimmy after and, and joe now and then we find out it's Milo.
0: <laughs> well, it, like even before they get to Joe's house, like you know, we saw another car explode when they find like the C four. Oh, it was
1: Corey's other car.
0: Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, and then because we didn't talk about how like the fast forward eats the tape and all that kind of stuff. Whatever. Y-
1: oh yeah, we didn't. get But yeah, cause... so they
0: don't know what actually is. There's a tape, but we don't know what's actually on it because he tries to fast forward, but it eats the tape. It eats the tape. And so like all the actual conversation is lost all they have is the picture that connects the two people together they get you know whatever they have a falling out and and jimmy is going to use corey's other car and so that's when joe realizes hold up don't do that because it's probably wired and they find the c4 they put it in their trunk they get found by some other thugs, like, immediately they have this confrontation, and the, the, the jokes gets, start again. The jokes start up again, and then, like, the, the they shoot the trunk of the car, and it explodes the thing. The
1: two guys get
0: the, blown up with the car. The, the two car. thugs are dead, and the other two roll down the hill. Our heroes roll down the hill, and then they go to Joe's house. There we go.
1: Right, anyway. so then, but after that, Joe and Jimmy are now separated because, you know, Joe chick kick Jimmy out mm-hmm. and but Jimmy is still trying to but uh Jimmy gets confronted by more hitmen thugs and he gets the shit beat out of him. Like they throw him over this railing onto like another onto street a car. below yeah. on a car and then he rolls off and almost gets run over and he just stands up and he's like, Yeah, I'm fine, whatever but then he collapses. Mm-hmm. But then he goes they take him straight to the police station. Like, I don't know. He's probably like concussed and shit. Yeah, they don't
0: take worry him about hospital that. Hospital
1: first. Yeah. But that's when he runs into Darien, It's not Danielle, but Danielle Harris. Danielle
0: plays. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Darian and her mom, because they Sarah, that's the mother's name. Uh, they are at the police station because the police assume that Joe killed Mike because of the affair. So she. that's when Sarah's just saying, my husband would never do that. And that's when they kick Darian out because then they're like, hey, we know you were having an affair with him. Blah, blah, blah. But Darian meets up with Jimmy and then... Jimmy's just like, I'm going to skip out of (laughs) here and go find out what the fuck's going on. Like, he just wants to avenge Corey's death. And then Darian uh, tags along, but like, hides in his back seat. Yeah, sneaks into the car. Sneaks in. And pops up, like, Mm. when he's like halfway to where he wants to go. Because he's following the senator now.
0: Yeah, he's going after the senator, and in the meantime, Joe has been now kidnapped by other lackeys. And um,
1: that's where we meet and, Milo.
0: And the the cop lieutenant who thinks Joe's a bad guy sends his second in command over to Joe's house. He sees um, the car with Milo and the bad guy, whatever, in there, and like tries to say, "Hey, what's going on?" And then that cop gets shot by Milo. But then they put the fingerprints on to Joe to try to blame him for murdering this cop, to kind of like increase the conspiracy and throw them off the scent. So they take Joe to the woods after doing this um, and somehow
1: they do this exchange
0: and somehow um, Jimmy is able to find him when he's going after the senator. I don't really remember how that all goes down, but it does.
1: They kind of just like, because uh, Jimmy's following the senator, and that's where the senator was going, and then that's when he, Jimmy sees oh, Joe. Oh, it wasn't
0: the senator that was going there, it was his bodyguards. The bodyguards. The senator's bodyguards were going, who um, were going to take the $6 million bribe.
1: Okay, yeah. Because this is where we I learned the that senator the... senator was there with them. No, but... he wasn't. So they were just separated, but he wanted to follow the bodyguards. Yeah, he
0: followed the bodyguards. So... Which is
1: weird, I don't...
0: Yeah. Um, Anyway, plot. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's
0: that's when we kind of learned that this Senator Baynard is the one quote unquote good guy and that he's the only politician so far who has not taken money for this legalized gambling thing, which is weird because you don't need 100% buy-in in in order to pass different measures, number one. Um, and, And two... Are the bodyguards now accepting the money on behalf of Baynard? That
1: okay. I'm. Or is it I that they're he was taking there a buy off for some reason? So yeah, I thought. But unless, or are they taking like,
0: the, pay, the the payoff to unprotect him when Milo goes to assassinate him?
1: Yeah, the, the, it all becomes like this whole thing where Sheldon, like they finally just take him to Shelley Marcone's house, and Shelley tells them. Joe, the whole plan. Like, yeah, we're gonna use you as the scapegoat and blame you for all this shit.
0: Yeah. And say that you, you assassinated the Senator, uh, because of your past history with him. Um, and you know, your are you're disillusioned obviously. And, and so like, we're going to blame you for that. But meanwhile, we also get rid of the one guy who's standing in our way of our legalizing gambling
1: thing. Yeah. But it's just, Okay, they were trying to do all this stuff. I'm t- I'm t- whatever. I was just thinking about, like, what if Joe did not take the job, you know? Like, who would they use as a scapegoat then? Just, like, someone else? They probably would
0: have found another way to get to Joe.
1: Okay, because th- th- this is just a way to get to Joe because of the whole history between him and the senator.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, they might have just done something as simple as, you know, kidnap the daughter at which that
1: point. I mean, they which they do they do as well. But okay, they could have just gone straight to Joe's house without him even knowing about this job at all, and then doing this.
0: But okay, yeah, like they they, they <laughs> kill Mike for literally no reason.
1: Yeah, that's, basically, that's to kill him to get to Joe. That's what I was wondering about.
0: But I think the idea is that. <clears throat> Corey knew that this stuff was happening, and she hired Mike, and so it was also a matter of like getting rid of any potential witnesses, because if Mike knew, the, the idea that Joe has is that Mike knew that this was falling farther down the rabbit hole that he didn't want to get involved in, and so he passed it off to Joe, like he realized that this was something of a dangerous thing that was going on with Corey, and so he wanted to leave it alone. And again, Joe's kind of like insinuating, okay, well, if I die, then Mike gets my wife. So, you know, again, just getting rid of your, your enemy, I guess, in in the same way that Marcone's trying to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a lot, a lot of the stuff is, is, you know, secondary, like the plot is kind of secondary at times because there's just so much action in here. Um, a lot of cars exploding and going and Fire. I think there's like four or five different scenes where a car explodes.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, Joe getting his ass kicked, like the entire time. Like yeah, you can see the progression
0: in his face. Like he starts off not really baby faced, but you know, not bruised and scarred. And at the end, like he has a whole bunch of different marks on it because of the different scenes.
1: Yeah, and I'm just thinking about his health <laughs> the whole time I'm like I don't know I, I am just like I'm always thinking about these people passing out from like concussions and things like that yeah. it's just like these people have nine lives in movies yeah and then but,
0: meanwhile like the thugs instantly die anytime like a, anything happens close to them right you know, like, they that's... have that one thug who dies from like the the punch up the nose Right, no, the the guy that was taunting him at up the into a swimming or pool
1: or whatever. I mean, Which I don't think
0: is a thing. That That's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> that knows? guy who dies is is, is Kim Coates, yeah. played Chet. Um, longtime character actor who had a long run on Sons of Anarchy, Anarchy so you might recognize him from that. Um, anyway. Yeah, they, they tell the plot and all this kind of stuff, and it's whatever. Um...
1: I mean, it just goes to... It just gets convoluted. <laughs> right. It just goes to the next... They take Darian and... Milo is now going to assassinate the senator at the next football game. So, you know, it's like this whole race for Jimmy and Joe to stop him. hmm And, I mean, they do. it. It becomes like televised because Milo is up there just starting to well he, it starts he's getting ready to shoot at the senator and this is at the point where Jimmy is now on the field he gets on a horse
0: <laughs> well do we want to talk about the scene before that at the what? at, at Marcone's office Okay. Because before before Jimmy even gets on the the thing, there's like another explosion in the fireplace in Marcone's office, and there's a shootout, and Jimmy's hand is shot. Okay. So like he's shot through the hand because he, like this big confrontation, and Marcone has the daughter now too. Like Milo had the daughter um, at some point. Like that car like blows up. Oh, the car that car blows up. And gets flipped into this dude's pool, uh, and then like Joe and Jimmy leave the daughter there with the, the the house owner, but he gets shot, and then Milo takes the daughter and makes a gross comment about uh, like I have your daughter, and I hope she doesn't see how hot of a date I am, or some crap yeah, it's
1: creepy stuff.
0: Uh, and so then they have this big conversation with Marcone in the office where now. The daughter is there. Darian is is in the office with Marcone. and then like Jimmy and Joe like fake this fight right like they, they or they you know they have this argument amongst themselves, which then leads to Jimmy throwing this explosive thing into the fire, which then allows for another shootout to happen. Jimmy's hand gets shot. and I think that's important to note because he throws the football when he's with on like the an horse injured hand. With, with a hole in the middle of his freaking hand. And I mean, he's still, like, they're
1: up did. on adrenaline. Who the fuck knows? And as the bullet is coming towards the senator, that's when the ball hits the senator in the face, but, I yeah. mean, it stops the bullet, and that's when Milo goes fucking off the rails and starts shooting into the crowd and stuff, but trying to get at Milo. Yeah, but, try-
0: trying to get the horse. Or not, or trying, to get Jimmy. trying to
1: get at Jimmy. Trying to get the Jimmy on the horse, but mostly just like in the crowd and everyone's like scared and shit. But then they have like this helicopter
0: that's yeah somehow there's a helicopter like immediately there hovering,
1: trying to get get him. They're trying to get Milo and they're not successful because I mean Milo kills one of the guys. Yeah, but then you have uh, and then there's Joe just climbing all the way up. They have a fight and Joe gets injured again and Mm -hmm. like almost dies like he's falling backwards and but you know comes back up and eventually kills Milo and he does this like football touchdown dance and it's like Well Milo falls
0: falls off the railing (laughs) with like bullet holes all over and he falls into the helicopter blades
1: Oh, yeah, he gets gets his entire, that's, I was like, whoa. (laughs) I mean, if you're in the crowd, you're getting sprayed with, like, body
0: parts. That's big time Gallagher stuff right there. Uh, But, yeah, then Joe just starts dancing a jig because he keeps talking about over and over again about how he's going to dance a jig. When When he dies. When everything is all over or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So he starts dancing the jig and then basically, like, Whatever. Um, <laughs> and then, and then you see them, uh, out in the parking lot. They talk about how the $6 million was, was lost, uh, or how it, he tells the cop, I guess he does tell the cops yeah, that yeah, that's the $6 million like the dollars cop is supposed seeking. to be in the backseat. Yeah. Um, but Marcon knew that that was the case. And so he, he got away after the shootout somehow and was able to, to take the, the money from the briefcase where he thought he did, um.
1: But he takes the wrong one, and it's the bomb that, like, and then there is a Jimmy bomb. and Joe, and then it's... they just see. Uh, I mean, you see a little snippet of Marcone opening the briefcase, and then boom, his entire house is aflame, and you see Jimmy and Joe down on the streets, looking up, seeing the blown up house, and they just laugh. And yeah. I, was, like, well, I, I laughed guess you at them the wrong laughing. Briefcase. Yeah, like they just they're like, "Yep, fuck that guy." And uh um,
0: but yeah, now Joe has learned to love and live again, and so he starts yelling at Sarah the way she wanted him to to show that now he loves her again. Yes. Uh and, and then Jimmy and Joe are talking about possibly being partners and the end. They
1: come really up with one-liners, and that's when they shitty shit They shitty come up one-liners. with they do say, "I'll be back."
0: Yeah. Yeah, you gotta have like a cool catchphrase or whatever, like I'll be back and whatever. It's.
1: It makes the things. It makes you think that they were probably gonna do like a sequel or something.
0: You have to set it up for one, even if there's no chance. Yeah. And even though it was moderately successful in the box office, it didn't like make a ton of money over their budget. Um, And yeah, I don't think it really resonated a whole lot with people.
1: It didn't because of, like, the release date. I was just reading reviews saying that this is not the type of movie that would come out around this time. Because it's mostly, like, Christmas me- movies and, like, family-related s- content. Not yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not... I don't know. But even that, I mean, Not it just, violence and action. It had, it had okay violence. It had good okay action but it's not very strong on the plot department it's not very good on the writing department Uh right let's talk some awards and cast and crew so in terms of the awards the only place to where we got anything is the mtv movie awards where it's nominated for best on-screen duo and also best action sequence for the helicopter blades and is also part of the best death scene fake nominees i'm assuming also for the helicopter, helicopter. blades okay um Tony Scott was the director, Emmy winner for Gathering Storm in Gettysburg, nominated for RKO 281, Andromeda Strain, Pillars of the Earth, and The Good Wife, 1995 BAFTA winner for the Michael Balcon Award. He's directed movies like Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Days of Thunder, True Romance, Crimson Tide, and also in 1991, uh, he's part of this thing called King of Ads, uh, where he directed a Smarties commercial, so I guess there's some sort of documentary about advertisements and they show a bunch of them, including one of his. Shane Black was the writer. Saturn nominations for Last Action Hero, and in 2006 winner for the Filmmaker's Showcase Award there. Um, Razzie nominated for Last Action Hero. Can nomination for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which he also directed. Uh, he's the writer of Lethal Weapon, Monster Squad, Long Kiss Goodnight, Iron Man 3, The Nice Guys, and Predator 2018. And he directed several of those as well. We've talked about Bruce Willis before. Um, I think this one is probably a little bit better than Hudson Hawk, but I can't tell you which one I'd rather watch more <laughs> between the two. Okay. <laughs> um, Bruce Willis will also be in Mortal Thoughts and Billy Bathgate. Damon Wayans as Jamie Dix. Emmy nominated four times for In Living Color. Image nominated four times for My Wife and Kids. Stinker is nominated for Worst Actor for Bamboozled and also Worst On-Screen Couple for Marcy X. He's been a writer for things like Not Necessarily the News, Mo Money, Blank Man, Major Pain, and also the Damon TV show. In 1991, he also wrote The Salute to Michael Jordan, which we've talked about in the past, Mm -hmm. as well as uh, Robert Townsend and his Partners in Crime. He's a collaborating writer in that. Uh, He's also an actor in the Lethal Weapon TV show. And he starred with Bruce Willis in Luke Who's Talking Too*, mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, he was also an SNL cast member before his days on In Living Color back in 1985. I mean, they were just voices, though. Yeah, they were just voices. But still. Probably not together. No, they probably didn't. They might not have they even met. Even,
1: yeah. mean
0: well, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. in um, Chelsea Field, who played Sarah Hollenbach, we've seen her before in Harley Davidson in the, in the Marble Man but I don't think we talked too much about her credits, other than she was Teela in the Masters of the Universe movie. She's Chainsaw Nominated for Dust Devil. Um, She's been an Inconvenient Woman miniseries in 1991. She was on the Capitol News TV show, The Nightingales TV show, uh, Extreme Justice, The Dark Half, A Passion to Kill, and also Flipper, as well as uh, NCIS New Orleans. Noble Willingham we've seen a few times before. This is probably his meatiest role out of the movies we've seen, but he's been in Sweet Poison, Career Opportunities, and City Slickers. Taylor Negron played Milo, we saw him in Nothing But Trouble. Danielle Harris played Darian Hollenbeck, we saw her in City Slickers, and also Dun Till Mountain the Babysitter's Dead, she's also going to be in The Killing Mind and Don't Touch My Daughter. Halle Berry played Cory, we didn't talk about that at all, but we (laughs) saw her in in Jungle Fever. Uh, She also, in 1991, she was in Strictly Business, and episodes of Amen, Knott's Landing, Different World, and They Came From Outer Space. Uh, Bruce McGill played Mike Matthews, who had a very short role. He's going to be in 1991's Shoot First at Cop's Vengeance and The Perfect Tribute. He played D-Day in Animal House. He's been in Time Cop, MacGyver, and 105 episodes of Rizzoli and Isles. <laughs> um, also, a couple other weird little cameos in here. We have Dick Buckus, Lynn Swan, and Vern Ludquist playing themselves. Uh, we also talked about M- Bill Medley already, who sang the opening theme song. Morris Chestnut is supposedly in there somewhere, as locker room kid. Okay. I didn't see him, but he's there.
1: Um, I mean, was it in the
0: beginning? It must have been in the beginning.
1: Where it was all dark? It was so... It was
0: incredibly dark. Uh, But yeah, we've talked about him from Boys in the Hood, of course. Billy Cole was played by Billy Blanks. He's in the 1991 movie Time Bomb as well. Um, We know him from, like, Blood Fist, Lionheart, Showdown. He's a seven-time karate champion, seventh-degree black belt, and obviously... Most people know him as the creator of the Taibo workout system that took over the nation.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, A couple other small people here. Well, not small people, but, you know, small things to mention here. Um, One of those kids that threw the... The kid specifically that threw the squirrel at him is a guy named David McMillan who went on to become an Emmy-nominated writer for the Dahmer miniseries. He's also written... For judging amy sleepy hollow dexter new blood and and several other projects as well okay so it's always interesting to see like these child actors or you know people in the the background go on to do big things um eddie griffin is there as the mc at the strip club emmy uh image nominated for malcolm and eddie he's also in 1991's the five heartbeats uh also jason's lyric deuce bigelow double take and undercover brother and then the credits also list james gandolfini in here as an uncredited Marcones henchman. I don't think it's true. I don't there's, know
1: who he was in the, all of those thugs, unless the, he was in the background.
0: Yeah, that the the screenshots I've shown that that I've seen, and if you're watching on YouTube you'll see them here too. Uh I don't think it's him. Oh, okay. And, so, and I'm not alone in thinking that it's him. So there's like a, a you know, this, like a half and half thing. theory yeah, I think it's just somebody saw somebody who looked like James Gandolfini oh, and then, then put him f- on IMDb. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't think there's any confirmation from James himself to mm-hmm. say that he was an uncredited, unspoken actor in this. It's just another uh, slightly portly guy with bald hair and sunglasses, and yeah. Yeah. So that's that's that. So th- you yeah. know, my my vote is no. It's not him unless unless James himself has said at some point he's in there i don't believe.
1: well i mean d- we will never know because James there could be Cheney... an inter-
0: there could be an interview from the past where he okay. said oh one of my early like, roles was no we... Okay
1: yeah
0: <clears throat> but I, I didn't go searching for anything like that um, anyway true crime and pop culture time
1: okay we're going long so i'm just going to this movie was released on December 13th, 1991, which was a Friday, and we have a TV guide, which uh, we haven't used yet, because this is... Surprisingly. Yeah, it's the holiday guide, and it just shows, and it talks about what was coming up for the next couple of weeks for Christmas, and on... I guess I'll just talk about what was on the night that this movie was released. Two major things was the Disney Mickey Mickey Mouse's Christmas Carol, which was on CBS. And it was just, you know, an hour a collection of cartoons. It has the 1983 featurette where Mickey Mouse plays Bob Cratchit, you know, on the Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. And then it had... Pluto's Christmas Tree, which originally aired or was released in 1952, Donald's Snow Fight, which was released in 1942, and then The Art of Skiing, which was released in 1941. And then after that was an hour of, which I found the entire thing on YouTube, was John Denver's John Denver's Montana Christmas Skies, the CBS special pre- presentation, and it was just a country holiday celebration with music, fun, and laughter for the whole family, and it had Clint, his friends Clint Black, Patty Loveless, and Kathy Mattea. Uh, I know who Clint and Patty are, but Kathy Mattea is just another folk country okay. singer they're yeah, all I singers
0: heard, yeah the name sounds vaguely familiar but yeah
1: yeah it's just, i knew i know these people but i cannot tell you a song that they sing no. i just know that they're country artists and kathy was the only one where i was like i've never seen this woman in my life but i mean she's a country music folk artist and i'm like very ignorant to that stuff like i just don't listen to it or know much
0: about it yeah it wasn't really our world
1: and I vaguely know the other people, like Patti Loveless, I remember seeing, because I went to the Country Music Hall of Fame in Nashville last year, and that's how I learned of some of these people. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, the hour was interesting. I just skipped through. I didn't watch the entire hour. It's John Denver in Montana riding on his horse. <laughs> With his friends, you see some Native American
0: imagery, not portrayed by actual Native Americans.
1: The, in the beginning, but then in when he, and then it stops where like he's in a recording studio where it's him and all, like the four of them, all the singers. They start singing songs, and they're surrounded by an audience, and there are Native American people in the audience. Hmm watching them, so they're doing a performance, they stop, they talk about their favorite Christmas stories from their lives growing up, and then it's like these vignettes where it's just, and then it turns into just Don, John Denver singing his songs, and then it like goes back and forth to him on his horse and, you know, herding cattle like city slickers or something. They show a lot of that imagery. And um, then it goes to them in, like, a kitchen all having Christmas dinner together. Talking about more Christmas stories. Yeah. And that was the entire hour. (laughs) Okay. But in the, the TV guide, they talk about certain specials that are coming up for the christmas year <laughs> for 1991 and the first thing that you see is the wish that changed christmas they have an ad for that but i know we talked about i can't yeah, remember that was
0: the cartoon that was presented by mcdonald's yeah it was, it was about, a like,
1: ronald mcdonald cartoon the little girl
0: who wants to find like a, a, a family. family
1: and that story we like eviscerated. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I mean no I don't know. It's we just made fun of it because of the way that it's just like yeah, I wish I the way I had it was a, presented. The way yeah. it was presented was very cheesy. But that was that was uh on December 20th. So like a week from now or a week from this movie was released and some other specials that were coming up for December 7th to the 13th, there was a Siskel and Ebert holiday special that was syndicated like every day until December 15th. Hmm. And it was Roger Ebert, Gene Siskel, they cite their favorite home videos and check out the latest high-tech equipment.
0: It's like a year-in-review type of a thing, plus like a buyer's guide.
1: Yeah, I couldn't find that on YouTube. And then there was something that made me laugh. On the Discovery (laughs) Channel, there was... The Low Cholesterol Gourmet Special. Ooh. <laughs> A Guide to Getting Through the Holiday Feasts Sensibly. And then they they talk about the Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol, but then they show an ad. And okay, so there's an ad in the end of this. We'll take pictures, I'm assuming, and put it on the website. There's an ad at the end of the TV guide that shows the John Denver Montana Christmas Skies but then in the beginning it says it's called John Denver's Cowboys Indians and Christmas Special
0: So they just renamed it
1: Yeah within
0: a week Yeah
1: but it's in the oh. same same TV guide so I don't know editing Yeah <laughs> But uh other stuff was Bob Hope's cross country Christmas special where Macaulay Culgan and Reba McIntyre join him. That was on December eighteenth.
0: Alright, so we'll move on to rankings and ratings then. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put the last Boy Scout? Um, I'm just
1: I'm gonna give this
0: a three. Three. Uh yeah. I mean on my zero to four star scale I, I'm I'm kinda with you. I think I might go a little bit Mm-hmm. A little bit lower, I'm going to say it's a two out of four. Like, I kind of already forgot that I watched it,
1: um, you know? Well, like There's I mean, there's a
0: lot of, like, key scenes in here that if I didn't write down the notes, I wouldn't have remembered. So, like, this is going to escape my memory very, very quickly. It's very
1: Yeah, I bland. mean, I haven't seen this in a really long time, and the only stuff I remember was Danielle Harris.
0: I mean, I've taken the screenshots and I mean so that I helps a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and but, Damon uh, Wayans. So, I'm sure when I get around to editing the YouTube thing, that I'm gonna be like, "Oh yeah, that happened in this, didn't it?" Um,
1: yeah, I don't. I just remember. I remember it being violent, but I didn't realize how violent it was. Like in the beginning, where he shoots himself, and then the the helicopter blades. I didn't realize it was like that graphic.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty gory, and I think they cut down a lot of it too. Right to help it get an R rating and and whatnot, so...
1: I mean, I was reading that Siskel and Ebert gave it a three out of four.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm not quite there. I think if it were funnier, I'd be joining them, but it's... I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just bad expectations from my point, having Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis as your leads. I expected something more comedic than it was. So, whatever. Uh, every movie's worth watching once, so would you watch it again? Oh, uh, yeah. Sure.
1: <laughs> Not right away.
0: I mean, I, I guess if someone wants to watch it, like if, if that's their be pick, like, Hey, then, have okay. you ever
1: seen The Last Boy Scout? And they say no. I'd be like, well, it's a
0: watch. <laughs>
1: it's something to watch.
0: Like it, it's, it's basically inoffensive in that way. It's, it's yeah. kind of like a standard action movie. And, you know, maybe in a couple of years I'd have to watch it again just to remember what the hell happened uh and if you out there want to watch the last boy scout as of this recording in september 2023 it's available as digital rental vhs or dvd as always check your local listings you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms please remember to rate review subscribe and tell your friends you can email us at 1991 movierewind at gmail.com follow us on twitter instagram letterboxd youtube just search 1991 movie rewind or go to 1991 movierewindcom for the full list of movies long show notes and more Next week, we're starting our spooky, scary month with Ernest Scared Stupid. That's on Hoopla, YouTube, Digital Rental, or VHS DVD. We will see you then.